0: And Welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing West Side Story. Maria, Maria,
1: Maria, I've just met a girl named Maria, and suddenly that name will never be the same to me. Maria, I've just kissed a girl named Maria and suddenly I found how wonderful song can be. Maria, say it loud and there's music playing. Say it soft and it's almost like praise.
2: I'll never stop saying Mario.
0: Maria. But first, as always, I ask, how are we doing? Oh, <laughs> how are we doing? I hope this episode finds you well. Hey, I would like to say I am so sincerely sorry. My apologies to those who listen to the musical man via Spotify. We just realized there was an issue that effectively de-platformed the show for I don't even know how long. It could have been weeks or months, I don't know. But I'm happy to report the matter has been resolved. So here's a tip for podcasters who submit their RSS feeds to platforms like Spotify, I, you need to pay attention to this. They require Spotify, and for all I know, all of these other platforms, but Spotify especially, they require author slash owner info so be sure to enter that via your host account be it Podbean, libsyn or what have you whatever platform you use to generate the rss feed you need to you need to make sure that author owner info is filled in before submitting the rss feed to platforms like spotify because if you don't The show goes well, at this point, if you're creating a new show, it will never show up at all. Ever, ever, ever. If you're a show like us, we get deplatformed because of this one random detail. Very frustrating, but it's very satisfying to know that we have solved that problem, and I'm glad that it didn't continue on any longer than it needed to, okay? All right, Uh, uh, here's another thing I want to say. Ah, Here's another thing I want to say. I am begging, I am begging you, I've said this before, I have been on my hands and knees before, I am here again, I am begging you, someone, please, write a new five-star review so that we know you're out there. It has been so long since we received a five-star review, and I'm starting to think that we have all been banished to some sort of pocket dimension, I don't know if we're in the play No Exit, hey, now that's a theater reference for you, the play No Exit. It by someone I can't remember. <laughs> but please allow me to get up from my hands and knees. Oh, please allow me to feel a little bit of relief. The relief that comes. With a brand new five-star review, I would be forever grateful if I could see those five stars, those words of yours. Ha! Ah, I could do this for an hour. I really could, but we do need to keep moving on because Patty's 39th birthday is February 3rd, okay? We wished Benny a belated birthday, I believe, and I wanted to get ahead of Patty's birthday. She has made it very clear that the festivities, the birthday festivities, will not not, right? No, yeah, they will not include possum decorations, possum-related gifts, or not gifts, G-I-F-S, G-I-F-T-S. <laughs> either, both, okay, so we, we can do either of those, and she has also declared that she will not accept a possum birthday cake. Uh, and And to that, I say, fine, I accept all of that, but... Maybe there's room uh, at the party for a song. There's a possum in there. There's a possum in here. Take a peek and you will find there's a possum in there. (laughs) And many more. Patty has never looked at me with with (laughs) the daggers. Oh, I've never never experienced this expression from Patty. Patty, I I apologize. (laughs) you're right of course no possum talk on birthday day Patty would like to remind us if you're if you're curious as to what maybe was happening during the possum invasion uh, she would like to I, I guess not remind us but tell you for the first time that she spent nearly 48 hours removing nine possums from her home including several babies they're all safe. And sound, don't you worry about that. But from what she has told me, those 48 hours were an ordeal. Oh, my God. (laughs) I believe everyone went to the Olive Garden when it was all said and done. Uh, Honestly, that sounds like a paradise after all of that. (laughs) The Olive Garden. When you're here, you're not around the possums. That should be their new phrase. Okay, it's time now to relay the show facts regarding this week's subject, West Side Story are you ready? Show me the show facts. You say, all right, let's do it. Ha! Ah. In 1949, Jerome Robbins hits upon this idea to adapt William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet into a radically modern musical. He says, it'll be about a Jewish girl and a boy from an Irish Catholic family falling in love. The girl will be a survivor of the Holocaust. Ha! Ah, I'm a genius. Arthur Laurence, eager to write his first musical, agrees to tackle the book. Leonard Bernstein signs on to compose the score, though he's more interested in writing an opera than a musical. Arthur and Jerome scoff. We are not writing an opera, Leonard. That's what they say to him. Time passes. Arthur completes the first draft of the show, which is operating under the title East Side Story. Jerome gives it a once-over and swiftly backs out of the project, claiming it's too similar to plays like Abby's Irish Rose from 1927. Fair enough, Jerome. You realize this was your idea, right? Fast forward to 1955. Arthur is selected by Martin Gable to adapt Serenade, a 1938 novel by James M. Kane, into a musical. It's about an opera singer who finds out he's a homo! Arthur wants to collaborate with Jerome and Leonard, but Jerome and Leonard want to revisit East Side Story. Arthur can't revisit East Side Story because he's committed to Serenade. The fellas go their separate ways once more. Note. If you go by Leonard's Wikipedia page, apparently he was the one who campaigned for a Serenade musical over the course of several years. History is a mystery. I don't know what's going on with that. Martin introduces Arthur to Stephen Sondheim. Ever heard of him? Stephen auditions for the role of Serenade's composer by performing the score of his first full-length musical, Saturday Night. Arthur is not impressed. And the lyrics are okay, I suppose, but the music sort of stinks. No offense, Stephen. Stephen says, none taken, Arthur, but also maybe go fuck yourself. Martin backs out of Serenade, and Arthur and Stephen part on fairly sour terms. Womp womp. Later that same year, 1955, Arthur goes to Hollywood to work on a remake of The Painted Veil starring Ava Gardner. Arthur meets with Leonard, who's conducting at the Hollywood Bowl, and they discuss a hot-button issue, Juvenile Gangs. Leonard wants to move the plot of East Side Story to Los Angeles so it can focus on Mexican delinquents. Arthur says, no way. It's a New York story. Besides, what do I know about Mexican Angelinos? Let's write about Polish and Puerto Rican kids. Leonard concedes, and the title of the show becomes West Side Story. Jerome hops aboard, welcome back, and collaborates with Arthur and Leonard while filming sequences for The King and I, the movie. Arthur and Leonard are, I should say, reluctant to work with Jerome again in the wake of his 1953 testimony before the HUAC. I overlooked the fact that Arthur and Leonard were also on the Hollywood blacklist, and they resented Jerome for his self-serving cowardice. I'm not quite sure how Arthur got a job on a big Hollywood movie if he was on the blacklist, but as I said, history is a mystery, (laughs) I don't know. Before we move on, I want to close the loop on the painted veil. Arthur was very excited to work on an Ava Gardner picture, and when the studio replaced her with Eleanor Parker, Arthur resigned in protest. Hey, do you think he made the Arthur fist? You know, the meme, the Arthur fist meme. Arthur runs into Stephen at the opening night party for Island of Goats, a play by Ugo Betty that ran for uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven performances. Arthur says to Stephen, uh, would you consider co-writing the lyrics of West Side Story with Leonard? He's already working on this other show, Candide or some such thing, and uh, he could really use the assistance. We asked Betty Comden and Adolph Green but they're writing Peter Pan so uh, w- what do you say? Uh, I'm sure you'd be fine. Uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. You, would, uh, you would do a decent job probably. Keep in mind Stephen had never written for the professional theater before this point. Saturday Night had been on track to premiere on Broadway, but the death of its producer led to it being placed on a shelf. Nonetheless, Stephen declines. He says, if I'm gonna write a musical, I want to write the whole shebang, the music, and the lyrics. Who is he, Ed Kleban? Oscar Hammerstein II takes Stephen aside and urges him to take the job. Don't be a fool. Stephen. Stephen sighs, fine, fine, I'll do it. A new round of development begins, and by 1956, the team is ready to put West Side Story on its feet. The only trouble is that everyone's busy! Jerome is directing and choreographing Bells Are Ringing, Leonard's hands are full with candide. It's an opera, we know! And Arthur's new play, A Clearing in the Woods, is about to premiere on Broadway. How are we ever going to find time for West Side Story? smash cut? Smash cut! A Clearing in the Woods closes after 36 performances. That's 29 more than Island of Goats, but who's counting? And shortly thereafter, it's full steam ahead for West Side Story. The team develops a plan of action. Rehearsals will start in two months' time, but the first item on the agenda is a backer's audition. We need money, and the only way we're going to get it is by presenting this show to people who have it. Sadly, the backer's audition is a bust. There isn't a single producer who wants to be associated with West Side Story. It's too dark, they cry. Whatever happened to musicals about carnivals and carousels and state fairs and Ferris wheels? Somebody should write a musical called Ferris Wheel. Stephen hands the script for West Side Story to Hal Prince, who is in the process of producing the musical New Girl in Town. Hal says, I like it, Stephen, but let me see what George has to say. George Abbott is the book writer for New Girl in Town, and he is not a fan of West Side Story. He says, Hal, trust me, you don't want anything to do with this. Hal says, oh, what do you know, George? New girl, a new girl in town is a mess. What do you know? Let's do this thing, Stephen. Jerome makes a startling announcement shortly before rehearsals begin. He says, I refuse to do the choreography. He says, everyone always gets four weeks for the choreography, and that simply isn't enough rehearsal time. Ah, all right, says the team. How about eight weeks? Jerome says, only eight weeks? I suppose I could make that work. Arthur continues to work on the script, devising a bunch of made-up slang terms as a way of avoiding foul language. Shove it up your flabber-jabber. Fly on down to the grain mill, quarter boy. That kind of stuff. He dreams of offering James Dean the lead role of Tony, but, uh... Let's just say Jimmy doesn't make it to the audition. (laughs) Leonard, for his part, keeps trying to turn West Side Story into an opera. Think of opera as a cookie jar Leonard keeps reaching for. Mmm, he says, me want cookie. Everyone keeps telling Leonard, stop that, cookies are sometimes food. That's the hand slapping sound effect. Jerome's relationship with the cast is predictably awful. On the one hand, he allows the dancers to develop their own steps and character profiles, which, you know, they appreciate. That's fun. On the other hand, he keeps everyone separated in the spirit of gang warfare. He says, we've got two gangs in this show, the Jets and the Sharks. If you play a jet, you must never speak to someone who plays a shark. Got it? And that goes the other way, too, of course. Look, dummies, the Jets and the Sharks hate each other, and I need you to hate each other, all right? And to that end, I'm gonna spread so many rumors about you people, nasty little rumors, that will make everyone upset at everyone else. Then Jerome makes his biggest demand yet. Listen up, he says, I came up with this idea. The idea for this thing is mine, and I deserve a conceived by credit. Give it to me, I want it. The team says, sure, take your conceived by credit. Have a blast. Jerome says, thank you. I will now use this to justify a lot of last minute changes to the show, and I will not run them by anyone. Leonard, Arthur, Stephen, and Hal are apoplectic. By the time West Side Story opens in Washington, D.C., no one is talking to Jerome. The D.C. tryout is successful, though Stephen can't help but notice how none of the reviews cite him as the co-lyricist. They only care about Leonard. Leonard feels bad. He says, Stephen, let me make it up to you. How about we remove my title as co-lyricist and you take full credit? How does that sound? Steven says, well, not great considering we wrote the lyrics together and I don't really like your contributions and I wouldn't want other people thinking I wrote them. In the end, Stephen receives full credit for the lyrics and he goes on to complain about it for the rest Of his natural life. West Side Story went on to become a 1958 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on Broadway on September 26, 1957 at the Winter Garden Theatre before moving to the Broadway Theatre in March of 1959 and then back to the Winter Garden Theatre in May of 1959. The production ran for a total of 732 performances. After a successful national tour, the show returned to the Winter Garden for its first revival in April of 1960. That revival ran for an additional 249 performances. The show was, of course, conceived by Jerome Robbins. The book is by Arthur Laurence, music by Leonard Bernstein, lyrics by Stephen Sondheim, and that's the official credit. The basis is Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet, which was first published in 1597. Did you know that? Now you know. The director of the production was Jerome Robbins, musical director Max Goberman, Orchestrations, Leonard Bernstein, Sid Ramin, and Erwin Coastal. Choreographer, well, we have Jerome Robbins and Peter Gennaro. We we should absolutely take a moment to focus on Peter Gennaro. Let's direct all of our mental energy toward Peter, and now we will move on. Scenic design, Oliver Smith. Lighting design, Gene Rosenthal. Hello again, Gene. Sound design, Sound Associates, Inc. Ah, costume design, Irene Shiroff. And the original Broadway cast was as follows. We have Larry Kurt, Kara Lawrence, and George Marcy, who returned in 1960 to reprise their roles of Tony, Maria, and Bernardo, respectively. We have Mickey Kalen, Ken Leroy, Chita Rivera. Hello, Chita Rivera. Art Smith, Lee Becker, Groverdale, Arch Johnson, Tony Mordente, Eddie Roll, David Winters, Tommy Abbott, William Bramley, Hank Bruniez, Ernie Castaldo, Martin Charnine, Marilyn Cooper, Wilma Curley, Carol Andrea, Al Decio, Marilyn D'Anal, Gene Gavin, Frank Green, Riri Grist, Carmen Gutierrez, John Harkins, Lowell Harris, Ronnie Lee, Jack Murray, Jane Norman, Julie Oser, Leanne Plain, Nanette Rosen, Lynn Ross, Jamie Sanchez, Noelle Schwartz, And Elizabeth Taylor, no, not that Elizabeth Taylor, a different Elizabeth Taylor. Of all the actors who played prominent Puerto Rican roles, I'm fairly certain Cheetah Rivera was the only one with Puerto Rican ancestry. Carol Lawrence, for example, was Italian. So, uh, you know, just let that sit with you. Tony Nance, okay, so West Side Story 1, Best Scenic Design, Oliver Smith, and Best Choreography, Jerome Robbins. It was additionally nominated for the following Tony Awards, Best Musical, of course. Best Featured Actress in a Musical, Carol Lawrence. Best Costume Design, Irene Sharoff, and Conductor and Musical Director. That award would have gone to Max Goberman if Max had won, but Max did not win. Six nominations, two awards, when all was said and done. Let's talk about the plot. On the Upper West Side of Manhattan, two roving gangs of teenagers, the Jets and the Sharks, vie for control of the streets. The Jets are Polish, the Sharks are Puerto Rican. Their leaders, Riff and Bernardo, want nothing more than to settle this dispute once and for all, and the only way that's gonna happen is with an all-out rumble. Tony, the former leader of the Jets, is in love with Maria, Bernardo's little sister. Maria urges Tony to stop the rumble before it can start, but his efforts prove futile. Bernardo kills Riff with a knife, and in a fit of rage, Tony kills Bernardo. Bernardo's girlfriend, Anita, is devastated, and she orders Maria to never see Tony again. Despite the tragic loss of her brother, Maria knows she cannot live without Tony. She convinces Anita to find Tony and deliver a message to him. Anita is attacked and nearly raped by the Jets, who view her as a whore and a spy. Doc, the owner of the candy store that doubles as an HQ for the Jets, barely manages to prevent the assault. Overcome with fury, Anita lies to the Jets, claiming Maria has been killed by a shark named Chino, who loved and felt betrayed by her. Tony takes to the streets, crying out for Chino in a state of suicidal despair. "'Kill me, Chino, kill me!' he says." Maria appears, and our lovers embrace. It's a miracle, but, oh, it's a miracle that only lasts for a moment. Chino shoots Tony. Tony falls and dies. The Jets and the Sharks descend upon each other for one final brawl, but Maria intervenes, aiming Chino's gun at the boys with wild abandon. Chino is not to blame for Tony's death, she cries. It's on all of you. Every last one of you killed my Tony. Maria collapses, weeping. Tony's body is carried away by members of the Jets and the Sharks. A belated yet meaningful sign that peace has finally been achieved. In the end, that was a... that was a nice short and sweet summary for you wasn't it okay I want to break down these groups I want to give you all of the character names so in the Jets we have we have Riff he's the leader of the Jets Diesel is the second in command and Tony is the former leader of the Jets we also have anybody's snowboy Arab. let's not focus on a rab action baby John guitar Big Deal, Mouthpiece, and Tiger. The Jets have a bunch of girls in their lives. They're known as the Jet Girls, according to the cast breakdown. We have Velma, who is Riff's girlfriend, and Griselia, who is Diesel's girlfriend. We also have Minnie, Clarice, and Pauline. The Sharks. Let's talk about the Sharks. Bernardo. Again, I say to you, Bernardo is the leader. Pepe is the second in command. We also have Toro, Luis, Anxious, Nibbles, Moose, Juano and Indio, and the shark girls are as follows. We have Maria, Bernardo's sister. Is she really a, a shark girl? I think that's so weird that any woman associated with these guys is automatically considered one of their girls. <laughs> She's not, oh, it's just, it's a weird way of, it's a weird way of putting it. Anita is Bernardo's girlfriend, and we also have Rosalia, Consuelo, Teresita, Francisca, Estella, and Margarita the adults. Okay, we have a few adult characters here. We have Doc, who I mentioned. He's the owner of the local candy store, and he's also Tony's boss. Okay, everybody's so annoyed that Tony has a job. (laughs) Ew, he's working for Doc at the candy store. You mean the candy store where you hang out all the time? Shut the fuck up. Did I say the Jets? Yes, the Jets are mad at him, not the Sharks. I don't want to get the two groups confused. We have Lieutenant Schrenk, who is a racist piece of shit pig. Oink, oink, who hates the Polish and the Puerto Ricans. And finally, we have Officer Krupke, Schrenk's designated number two. Anyone else smell bacon? For the purposes of this week's episode, I began by listening to the 1957 original Broadway cast album. For those who are familiar with the more recent edition of the OBC album, I did... did not listen to tracks 17 through 25. There was too much to do. I had to keep moving. I'm like a shark. If anything, I'm in the Sharks. I don't know. I then watched, rewatched the 1961 motion picture adaptation, which is directed by Jerome Robbins and Robert Weiss, and written by Ernest Lehman. The film stars Richard Beamer as Tony with vocals by Jimmy Bryant, Natalie Wood as Maria with vocals by Marnie Nixon, Rita Marino as Anita with vocals by by Marino, Marnie Nixon, and Betty Wand, George Chakiris as Bernardo, and Russ Tamblin as riff with vocals by Tucker Smith. Though initially hired to shoot the music numbers while Robert Weiss handled the book scenes, Jerome Robbins was fired after 45 days of filming. At that point, the movie was 24 days behind schedule. Despite the dismissal, Jerome and Robert remained in contact for the remainder of the shoot. Assistant director Robert Ralea would later recall the ludicrously high number of injuries sustained by the dancers, a direct result of Jerome's marathon rehearsals and endless takes. Again. Again. What do you mean you're hurt? I said again. Jerome never directed another movie, a fact that brings me a good amount of comfort. Rita Moreno became the first Hispanic woman to win an Oscar when she took home the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. The aftermath of her victory is undeniably depressing. The following is from a 2016 Fox News interview with Moreno, quote, I didn't do another film after that for seven years, not because I wasn't offered some, but because I was offered the same roles on a much lower scale, you know, gang movies and stuff like that. No, 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 that that's it. I'm not doing something like that again anymore. Or, you know, the stereotypical lady with the thick accent. Acting in Hollywood, even with the awards and accolades, is a tough profession, especially for women of color. We, the Hispanic community, now have a pretty good presence on television, but that doesn't give us the roles. And I am not for one second diminishing the importance of having a presence, but now it's time for us to get the roles, the writers and the directors, and that's going to take longer. Quote, Here is my three-star letterboxed review of West Side Story 1961. Ha! Here it is! West Side Story works on exactly one level, as a dance picture. The actors are saddled with painfully hep dialogue, and shellac with dusky makeup that makes them sound and look ridiculous. But when the time comes to execute those brutal and blistering moves by Jerome Robbins, you couldn't turn away from the screen if you tried. To be clear, the decision to utilize Brownface ensured this would never be a timeless classic, and it kills me to know Rita Moreno had to wear that shit along with her white co-stars. It's mortifying. P.S. There isn't a single moment when the Spanish- dialogue doesn't sound like it came out of a child's textbook, VAMONOS MUCHACHOS ESTARDE! The Sharks say ESTARDE a lot. An addendum to this review of mine, no one looks more foolish under the uh, quote-unquote Puerto Rican makeup than George Chiquitas who plays Bernardo. He looks like a walking Cadbury bar that could begin melting at any moment. I then listened to the 1984 studio cast album, which stars Jose Carrera as Tony, Kiri Te Kanawa as Maria, Tatiana Troyanos as Anita, Richard Harrell as Bernardo, and Kurt Ullman as Riff. This was the first recording of West Side Story to feature Leonard Bernstein as the conductor of his own score. And for better or worse, this is definitely the opera he always wanted. So operatic at times, it's borderline unintelligible. Did I mention a portion of the music Leonard wrote for Candide wound up in West Side Story? He was writing both scores at the same time. I don't blame him. I then listened to the 1996 studio cast album the songs of west side story which features the hottest or the hottest artists the 90s had to offer all for one selena michael mcdonald kenny loggins aretha franklin natalie cole little richard salt and Peppa, and phil collins singing the songs of west side story Uh, This is basically pure moods for the Broadway set, extremely corny and chill for the most part, for the most part. It's a tragedy. No one thought to sign Enya for a cover of One Hand, One Heart, because Enya would have torn that shit up. I tell ya, we'll hear several clips from this album during our show-related ephemera segment, so be at the ready, alright? Do me a favor, be at the ready. I then listened to the 2009 Broadway revival cast album, which stars Matt Cavanaugh as Tony, Josefina Scalione as Maria, Karen Olivo as Anita, George Ockram as Bernardo, and Cody Green as Riff. The 09 Revival was directed by our old friend Arthur Laurence. And if you ask me, Arthur was a bit too proud of his idea to add more Spanish to West Side Story. His attitude seemed to be, Can you believe what we've done here? Oh, Spanish! Who knew? What a brilliant idea! They had Spanish in the 50s, Artie. You could have put Spanish in the fucking thing back in the 50s. Come on! Lin-Manuel Miranda provided the Spanish language lyrics and dialogue this would have been after In the Heights, before Hamilton, and way before The Scuttlebutt. I then re-watched the 2021 motion picture adaptation of West Side Story, which is directed by Steven Spielberg and written by Tony Kushner. It stars accused sexual abuser Ansel Elgort as Tony, Rachel Zegler as Maria, Ariana DeBose as Anita, David Alvarez as Bernardo, Mike Faced. Feist? Uh, my cream pie cutie Mike Feist faced as Riff, Rita Moreno as Valentina. That's all. That's all the cast info I have for you. Ariana DeBose went on to become the first Afro-Latina openly queer woman of color to win an acting Oscar when she took home the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress. Rita Moreno and Ariana DeBose. Two Anitas! Two Oscars! Speaking of Rita Moreno, here are some excerpts from her February 2019 serious XM interview. We were a long way out from seeing Tony Kushner's West Side Story in theaters, and Rita knew they had a lot of work ahead of them as far as this script was concerned. Quote, I've only read a very, very rough version of the script, and it's very rough, meaning tons of stuff is gonna be changed. For instance, Tony Kushner did the Spanish parts with his Spanish dictionary, which was horrific. I I didn't know how to say that to Stephen. Finally, in our conversation on the phone, I said, listen, Stephen, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Spanish in the script is not terrific. He said, oh, no, 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 that's Tony Kushner using a Spanish dictionary. I was very nervous that Steven would think that was the correct thing. Quote, my four-star letterbox review of West Side Story 2021 is as follows. Here it is. Oh, I love a beefed-out twink in a dirty-ass tank top. That is the actual opening line. <laughs> You should be following you should be following me on Letterboxd. You you get stuff like that. Love a beefed out twink in a dirty ass tank top. If it were not for Ansel Elgort, this would be the definitive take on Bernstein, Sondheim and Lawrence musical. What it could and always should have been when it first opened on Broadway in 1957. So let's make sure Ansel remains forever in the gutter where he belongs and count the blessings he would otherwise distract us from. Spielberg's direction, Janusz Kaminski's cinematography, Paul Tazewell's costumes, hello again Paul, Tony Kushner's script, which sheds more light on Bernardo and the Sharks than Lawrence Book ever bothered to land, Rita Marino's rendition of Somewhere, a heart-stopping performance that feels like it was shot as a wonner even though we mistakenly cut away from her on several occasions, Iris Manasseh's portrayal of anybody's, a character who obtains what he wants most, for the Jets to see him as the man he knows himself to be, while simultaneously inheriting a legacy of violence and racism and rape he is not prepared to reckon with or answer for. This movie is so goddamn good! That's my letterbox review. Now, notably, the 1960, 1964, 1980, and 2020 Broadway revivals were not recorded for posterity. Choosing to not record the 1960 revival, that doesn't surprise me. That was a victory lap for the original staging, but I wish I could hear those other productions, especially the one from 1980, (laughs) for which Debbie Allen herself played Anita. The 2020 Broadway revival is infamous for for several reasons, but the only one worth talking about is American ballet dancer Amar Ramasar, who played Bernardo. Ramasar had previously been fired from the New York City Ballet in 2018 after he shared explicit photos of female dancers without their knowledge or consent. In 2019, Ramasar was reinstated to the New York City Ballet after a union arbitrator determined his firing was unjust the logic being that a suspension would have been a more suitable punishment. When hundreds of people protested Ramasar's involvement with West Side Story, the producers of the revival made their position abundantly clear. To quote them, quote, "...there is zero consideration being given to Mr. Ramasar potentially being terminated from this workplace, as there has been no transgression of any kind ever in this workplace." The West Side Story Company does not, as a practice, terminate employees without cause. There is no cause here. The West Side Story Company's relationship to Mr. Ramasar is completely private to that company and exists solely between Mr. Ramasar and his fellow company members. He is a valued colleague who was hired to play a principal role in this production, which he is doing brilliantly, and which he will continue to do for the entire unabated length of his agreement quote could that be a more resounding fuck you to women i don't know if it could be if it tried it's the most disrespectful sexist statement i've i've read in quite sometime. Now, in July of 2021, the New York City Ballet announced Ramasar would retire from the company in May of 2022. One can only hope that Ramasar then proceeded to choke and die. I don't know. Uh, Patty, Benny, let's begin our score deconstruction with the prologue as heard on the 2009 Broadway Revival cast album. This is a strong recording overall, and I want to make sure we feature it early and often. Are, Are we ready? Oh, yes. Hell yeah. Let's hear that Bernstein music, baby. potatoes. That's what it is. Meat and potatoes with gravy. All right, everyone, stand back. I'm putting on my director's cap. I have a lot of ideas, and this is merely the first. If you believe, as I do, that the Jets and the Sharks should be allowed to ad-lib, take it one step further for me and let them curse. This is a make-or-break issue for me. If I can't hear, fuck you, at least half a dozen times throughout this show, then what are we, what are we even doing? All of this nonsense slang, but no fuck use? Fuck you. I'm just saying any theater goer who would be offended by foul language in West Side Story is a moron who should not be taken seriously. News flash, these kids are not nice. They do not act nice, think nice, or talk nice. They talk bad because they're bad kids, face fucking facts, fuck you.
3: When you're a jet, you're a jet All the way from your first cigarette To your last dying day When you're a jet, if the spit hits the fan You got brothers around, you're a family man You're never alone, you're never disconnected You're home with your own When companies expect it, you're well protected Then you are set with a capital J Which you'll never forget till they cart you away When you're a jet, you... Stay, stay Now, I know Tony like I know me. And I guarantee you can count him in. In, out. Let's get cracking. Where you gonna find Bernardo? At the dance tonight at the gym. But the gym's neutral territory. Ooh, I'm gonna make nice with him. I'm only gonna challenge him. Great, daddy-o! So everybody dress up sweet and sharp. Me, Tony, and me at ten. And walk tall We always walk tall We're Jets The greatest when, when you're a Jet You're the top cat in town You're the gold medal kid With the heavyweight crown When you're a Jet You're the swinginest thing Little boy You're a man Little man You're a king The Jets are in gear Our cylinders are clickin' The shots are steer clear
4: Cause every Puerto Rican's a lousy chicken Here it
1: comes like a battle oh, out of hell someone gets in our way someone don't feel so well
3: here come the jets little world step aside better go underground better run better hide we're drawing the line so keep your noses hidden we're hanging aside since visitors forbidden and we ain't kidding here come the jets <laughs> yeah and we're gonna be every last bargain gang on the whole bargain street on the whole
0: It pains me to say this, because I'm sure many people will throw me right out the window with the (laughs) bathwater, but I became more and more bored with Jet Song as time went on. The halting rhythm informs a staccato delivery, which ain't exactly pleasing to these old ears of mine, and what's more, the lyrics do a fairly poor job of complementing the music. Here's a prime example. When you're a jet, you stay a jet! (laughs) Musically, I mean, vocally, uh, 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 that was awful, but <laughs> in the in the proper professional context, you know, musically and vocally, we appear to be building toward one hell of a lyrical payoff. When you're a jet, you, huh, ah, where are we going? Oh, we're going to a big payoff, a big idea, something nice and sharp, but you stay a jet? doesn't come anywhere close to sealing the deal. It's not exactly—it's not impressive in terms of a follow-through. And then again, Jet Song is far superior to My Greatest Day, a discarded opening number that chronicles an imaginary trip to the moon. Sample lyrics and lines of dialogue from My Greatest Day include How long does it take to reach the moon a They refer to the moon as moon a And then on their way to the moon, the jets say things like, Hey, I forgot my gravity belt. And look, we're passing Superman. What led Bernstein and Sondheim to write this? The jets are not in elementary school. You guys, another question. Why is there an official jet song, but no official shark song? The absence of a dedicated shark number when you're a shark, you know, something like that, makes it clear the jets were always meant to be our way in. They are the protagonists. For better or for worse, they are the heroes of the story. If this show gave a crap about the Puerto Rican kids, we'd be hearing from them right here and now. But... We don't hear from the Sharks. We never hear the Sharks sing outside of the Tonight Quintet when they're fighting for space alongside everyone else. And here's the thing, if you don't make time for the Sharks via songs or book scenes, we won't be able to forge a connection with them. We won't care about them the way we care about the Jets and we should care about all of these weird, shitty kids. A lot of us theater nerds remember characters like Riff, Anybodies, and Baby John from the Jets, but who among the Sharks is popping like them? I will continue hitting this drum as our deconstruction continues, but first, can we hear Kurt Ullman's performance of Jetsong from the 1984 studio cast album?
1: Against the Sharks, we need every man we got. Tony don't belong anymore. Cut it, action boy. I and Tony started the Jets. Well, he acts like he don't want to belong. Who wouldn't want to belong to the Jets? Right. He's always come through for us, and he will now.
3: When you're a Jet, you're a Jet. All the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day. When you're a Jet, if the spit hits the fan, you got brothers around. You're a family man. You're never alone. You're never disconnected You're home with your own When company's expected You're well protected Then you are set with a capital J Which you'll never forget Till they cart you away When you're a jet You stay away.
0: I know Tony like I know me I guarantee you can count him in
3: In, out. Let's get cracking.
0: What's going on, Mr. Ullman? Dean Martin could have played a teenager more convincingly. You sound like a 48-year-old father of six who gets routinely plastered on the golf course. I'm fine. I just need a club sandwich.
1: (laughs) Could be. Who knows? There's something due any day I will know right away Soon as it shows It may come cannonballing down to the sky Gleaming its eye bright as a rose Who knows It's only just out of reach Down the block on a beach Under a tree I got a feeling there's a miracle due got to come true Coming to me Could it be? Yes it could Something's coming Something good If I can wait Something's coming I don't know what it is But it is gonna be great With a click With a shock phone jingle Door'll knock Open the light. Something's coming, don't know when, but it's soon. Catch the moon, one handed cat.
0: was Matt Cavanaugh singing Something's Coming from the 2009 Broadway Revival album. Director's cap, activate! Here's what I want to see. A Tony who boasts a brutalist figure and the voice of an ever-loving angel. Riff and the Jets should want Tony back in the fold because he's a butcher, a real honest-to-God unit. This kid has been told to go, move, run, reach, take, kill. For the majority of his short life, and for the first time, all he wants is to sit, breathe, and wait. Something's coming, something good, if I can wait. He can't let the Jets tell him what to do anymore. It ain't healthy. Everyone always complains about Tony and Maria being boring. Ah, they're such boring characters. Well, let's fix that. I'm here to fix that, starting with Tony. You want Tony to be interesting? This is how you go about it. Get yourself a young adult who looks like Dave Batista and sounds like Timothy Chalamet. Get a better singer than Chalamet, you know what I mean. Am I done talking yet? Not by a long shot. Tony, in my mind, is Billy Bigelow from Carousel if Billy had a heart and the capacity for change. We should fall in love with Tony despite his rough exterior, and when he kills Bernardo, that should scare the hell out of us. We should think, oh, this guy could kill me at the beginning of the show, and then uh, towards the middle we think, wait, no, he's a sweetheart. And then when he kills Bernardo, we think, wait, (laughs) no, he could and absolutely would kill me. These are the stages I want your audience to go through. Make those fuss budgets shout yipe! So the next sequence I want to talk about is the dance at the gym. But my notes are um, my notes are confusing to me. <laughs> I will admit that. Here's what I have written down. I have da 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 What does God? I, I looked over this like nine times. What does that mean? What does that mean? Patty, Betty, You you know, you don't know. You do, oh my God. Well, what was I talking about? What was I talking about? <laughs> Oh, yes, of course. That is clearly my favorite part of the dance at the gym. <laughs> yes, correct me if I'm wrong, but that audio was from the 1984 Studio Cast album, R- right? Oh, oh I'm right about something. I love it when I'm right. Patty, Benny, ooh, I could kiss you. Da-na-na-na-na-na-na. Da-na-na-na-na-na-na.
2: People in each room. Mm-hmm. Automobil in America, chromium steel in America, wire we in
3: America, very big deal in America.
0: Oh, my God, Cheetah, Rivera, how long has it been? Have we really not heard from you since our main feed episode on Kiss of the Spider-Woman? That seems impossible. Wait, we we would have heard from you during our coverage of Edwin Drood. And, And Nine, of course! Well, whatever the occasion, it's always a pleasure, Miss Rivera. So here's my take on America. We need to officially retire the original stage premise, which finds Anita arguing with Rosalia and commit forevermore to the premise of the movies, which finds Anita arguing with Bernardo. Uh, I should say for grammar, they find Anita arguing with Bernardo. That's what the movies uh, give us. Who the heck is Rosalia? Anyway, why should I care about Rosalia's opinion? No, shoo, go away, Rosalia. Do what the movies do. Use the lyrics Sondheim wrote for the movie. Those lyrics are funnier, thornier, and more politically charged. People want to see Anita and Bernardo scratch and bite and flirt, just like they do in the movies. Why would you rob them of that opportunity? Anita telling Bernardo to smoke on your pipe is more delightful than Anita telling Rosalia to smoke on your pipe. I'll bring a TV to San Juan if there's a current to turn on. That isn't nearly as good as here you are free and you have pride long as you stay on your own side. Who could disagree with me? Here's another benefit to staging the film version of America. It involves the sharks. If the number is all about the sharks singing and dancing with the shark girls, that means you have at least one proper fleshed-out number for the sharks. Say, why isn't the 2009 version of America delivered entirely in Spanish? You would, I would think that that would be an excellent opportunity uh, for some Spanish. We don't even get a portion of the song in Spanish. This is very strange to me. There isn't nearly as much Spanish in that revival as Arthur Laurence would like you to think.
3: boy get cool boy got a rocket in your pocket keep coolly cool boy don't get hot cause man you got some high times ahead take it slow and daddy oh you can live it up and die in bed boy boy crazy boy stay loose boy breeze it buzz it easy does it Turn off the juice, boy. Go, man, go. But not like a yo-yo school, boy. Just play it cool, boy. Real
4: cool.
0: Easy action. In the original 1957 production of West Side Story, the cool number is performed right before the Jets and the Sharks negotiate the terms of their rumble. Us Jets need to stay cool so the Sharks don't know we're nervous. Not exactly the highest of stakes. Uh, The audio, by the way, that you would have heard a moment ago is from the 1957 original Broadway production. In the 1961 film adaptation, Cool takes place after the Rumble, in the wake of Riff and Bernardo's untimely deaths. Us Jets need to stay cool because if the cops show up, we don't want to go to jail for being accessories to Moida. This is more exciting because the stakes are much higher. But the 2021 film has the best take of all. Cool should absolutely be contextualized as an admonishment delivered by Tony and directed at Riff. You gotta be cool, buddy boy, because you are nuts, and all of this fighting is gonna get someone killed. Have you seen the 2021 movie? It's a very good movie, minus Hansel. To think Stephen Sondheim was always complaining about the lyrics for "I Feel Pretty" when he could have been re-examining the lyrics for "Cool." Look at these lyrics: "Got a rocket in your pocket, keep coolly cool, boy. Go, man, go, but not like a yo-yo schoolboy." We get enough crummy slang fed to us via Lawrence' book. We don't need more of it in the songs, Stephen. Ugh, do not come for me, Stephen. It's been a week, and I do not have time for ghosts. Do not make me call the Ghostbusters. Stephen, P.S., I n- never, I never need to hear a jet scream, I want to bust! I want to bust! Bust cool! Would you guys cut it out with all of the bust talk? You fucking freaks! P.P.S., this could have been a number for the fucking sharks!
1: I'm counting on you to be there tonight When Diesel wins at and Square tonight That Puerto Rican punk'll go down And when he's hollered uncle, will tear up the town tonight, So I can count the boys all right it be We're gonna have ball, all right
0: And the Tonight Quintet sounds richer, tighter, and more confident on the 2009 Broadway revival recording, which is why we just heard it. But let's hear the tail end of the original recording from 1957 and see how the two performances compare. Let's face it, and I don't mean to exaggerate, but the wheels were kind of falling off the cart back in 57. The quintet was too ahead of its time. The first generation of actors and musicians couldn't do it justice. We needed time to catch up with the material, I'm telling you. Can we hear the womb to tomb, sperm to worm exchange from the 1984 studio recording? sperm to worm demand this much gravity womb to tomb sperm to worm this ain't Hamlet my man play it cool coolie cool boy not like a yo-yo school boy sperm to worm enough
2: I feel pretty oh so pretty I feel pretty and witty and bright And I pity any girl who isn't me tonight I feel charming, oh so charming It's alarming how charming I feel And so pretty that I hardly can believe I'm real See the pretty girl in that mirror there Who can that attractive girl be? Such a pretty face, such a pretty dress, such a pretty smile, such a pretty face I feel stunning and entrancing Feel like running and dancing for joy
0: In an interview with 60 Minutes, Stephen Sondheim explains why he supported the decision to cut I Feel Pretty from the 2020 revival of West Side Story. Throughout this segment, which you're about to hear, we routinely cut to a 1988 interview with Sondheim. And between the two, it's clear the man has no respect for or faith in Maria as a character.
5: They dropped I Feel Pretty. Yeah, well, there's a practical reason for that. uh, The first act ends with a rumble. To get from the Rumble to <coughs> Maria's apartment and into that movie, what do you do? You have to have some kind of musical bridge of some sort. The audience says, what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next after the end of the Rumble? So you don't want to sit there while three girls do a charming number, because the irony is lost. It's just, let's get back to the story. So if you do I Feel Pretty, you got a five, seven-minute wait before that happens. So it seemed wrong. And so we, we, uh, we took it out. So you, you agree with these changes? Oh, uh, no. I I've, Listen, I've, I've always felt—well, I've never been very happy with I Feel Pretty anyway. But charming as it is, uh, of course I agree. Yeah, I guess you're not that upset. No, with, I, no, I made out. a joke about it, because I've <laughs> shot my mouth off for years about how I'm not happy with I Feel Pretty. And so I, I made a joke to, to Scott and and I said, oh, my goodness. Oh, we're going to lose I Feel Pretty. Oh, you know. But, but that's not why we did it.
0: Do you really
1: cringe at I feel pretty?
5: Yes, that's only because the diction is so—it's just out of character. That's all. It's about the diction. Um, I feel pretty is actually a phrase of Arthur's, and I think a very good one, because that is vaguely inarticulate, and I believe that. What had happened was simply that it was my first show. I wanted a show off. I wanted a show that I could rhyme. It's alarming how charming I feel. Can you imagine a Puerto Rican girl who's just arrived in the country and she's singing, it's alarming how charming I feel. I gave all the rhymes to this girl, who, after all, is a Puerto Rican street girl and who should speak in street poetry, not in literary poetry. I rewrote that lyric from beginning to end because uh, when we got to Washington, which is where we tried the show out the first time, I, I just felt mortified. I thought, oh, my goodness. But it wasn't until I heard it in public till I was actually at the run-through and heard it in front of an audience. Not that they were booing, but I heard it and I thought, oh, my goodness, that's not the character. That's the writer at work. So I wrote a whole other lyric, and nobody would accept it. They said, it's working great the way it is, which it was, but that didn't make me less embarrassed. It was working great. Sometimes something can work great on stage, but if you, as an author, hear it, it doesn't work great for me, you know? Well... That's right. I'm not going to. I'm not going to defend my point of view. It's just you asking. I'm just saying. As, as, as a, a member of, people, of the audience, it works pretty great. Yeah, for it me. works great. yum <laughs> yum. Yep, yep, yep. And a lot of people think I'm just <laughs> kicking. I'm not. Sondheim is
0: obsessed with Maria's status as a Puerto Rican street girl, quote unquote. With sloppy diction, who doesn't recognize, who wouldn't recognize a book if it was handed to her. He resents her because she sounds too smart. I made the mistake of writing Maria at my level when I should have lowered myself to hers. Fuck off. This is racism, pure and simple. It's alarming how charming I feel, embarrasses him. Too witty, too literary, too articulate. Meanwhile, Tony's singing stuff like, I got a feelin' there's a miracle due, gonna come true, comin' to me, and that's supposed to be street poetry? I'm seeing a lot of hand wringing over Maria, and none at all for Tony. Interesting, you're racist. All right, the director's cap is back on the dome, folks. I would like to emphasize Maria's sense of humor. Make her a trickster and a prankster, a gremlin. Her behavior is never malicious. She just can't resist taking the air out of a serious moment, snapping Bernardo's suspenders or messing with his hair, moving stuff around in the bridal shop to annoy Anita. Innocent antics. Sure, Maria would like to be treated as an adult, but this goofiness comes naturally to her, and seeing as the world has not yet demonstrated its capacity for cruelty, she meets every day with a smile and a wink. If Maria helps Tony to unearth his lighter side, Tony helps Maria see the value in mature relationships and romantic love. Consider the following exchange. Tony says to Maria, It's so much to believe. You're not joking me? And Maria replies by saying, I have not yet learned how to joke that way. I think now I never will. This exchange would hold more weight if we knew how much Maria loves to kid around. Maria always assumed she could make a joke out of anything, but not this, no. Ah, but don't get it twisted. Maria should be silly around Tony, especially during the balcony scene. Find those silly moments. We cannot allow Maria to lose her humor. She keeps the humor while cultivating an appreciation for the serious. That's what the director man says. The musical man, he's not talking right now. I'm the director man. We definitely needed to hear Rita Marino's rendition of Somewhere from the 2021 film, but I would like to raise a glass to Nicholas Barash, who delivers the song for the 2009 Broadway revival. Can we hear a little bit of Nicholas? was 11 years old when he played Kiddo, a newly devised member of the Jets. And do you know who Nicholas grew up to play? Harpad in the 2016 revival of She Loves Me. That's right, Nicholas Barash is beefy twink Harpad. Are you going out of your mind like I am right now? I saw him in Hadestown. Now, I would like to think I'm not a complete novice when it comes to West Side Story, but Here's the skinny muchachos. Prior to this week, I Had No Idea Somewhere is typically sung by an off-stage soprano, and I call myself the musical man. Sometimes I call myself the director man. Am I a fan of the offstage soprano idea? Certainly, but I have my own ideas all for somewhere, and you're gonna hear them right now. Director's cap, activate again. Here's the pitch, inspired by Nicholas Barrage's performance. Let's have somewhere performed by two young children dressed in Tony and Maria's signature colors blue for Tony, red and white for Maria. These kids would eventually be joined by other actors from the company, all of them dressed like Tony and Maria. We see a line of Tonys and a line of Marias stretching back to the beginning of time, different ages, different gender combinations, different eras of fashion. A dozen Tonys, a dozen Marias, by the end of the number, the entire cast would be singing their ever-loving hearts out. And while we're at it, my scenic design, the scenic design man? Hello. My scenic design for West Side Story would involve a little more than a series of expensive, enormous, moving clouds that light up from the inside. This image kept coming to me, so I thought I would write it down. Sometimes the clouds are pastel beauties straight from heaven. At other times, they are dark and foreboding. Whatever you need, these clouds set the tone of any given scene. And then, right at the end, when Tony is carried away by the Jets and the Sharks, maybe some light rain, huh? The people are gonna wanna see some rain. It's only fair. Hey, you. Who,
3: me, Officer Krupke? Yeah, you. Give me one good reason for not dragging you down to the station house, you punk, dear, dear, dear. Kindly, Sergeant Krupke, you gotta understand, it's just our bringing up key that gets us out of hand. Our mothers all the junkies, our fathers all the drunks. Golly Moses, naturally we're punky, Officer Krupke. We're very upset. We never had the love that every child ought to get We ain't no delinquents, we're misunderstood Deep down inside us there is good There is good There is good There is good, there is 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 untapped good Like inside, the worst of us is good Oh look at my good, good, baby This is nice, baby, yeah! Oh, that's a touching good story Oh, well let me tell it to the world!
1: Just tell it to the judge! Ooh yeah, George,
3: that's a good idea. Oh, Dear, kindly judge your honor My parents treat me rough With all their marijuana They won't give me a puff They didn't want to have me But somehow I was had Leaping lizards That's why I'm so bad Right, Officer Krupke You're really a square This boy don't need a judge He needs an analyst care It's just his neurosis That ought to be coined He's Psychologically destroyed I'm destroyed We're destroyed We're destroyed We're, we're the most destroyed, destroyed. Like we psychologically destroyed Oh
2: Dave
3: Hear that Hear ye, hear ye In the opinion of this court This child is depraved On the account that he ain't had a normal home Hey I'm depraved on account I'm deprived So take him to a head shrinker
0: Remember how I said Leonard Bernstein took a chunk of the music he wrote for Candide and used it for West Side Story instead? Well, the music from G-Officer Krupke is a part of that chunk. It was initially written for Candide, and now you know. The Jets and the Sharks share a mutual hatred for cops I cannot help but admire. These kids may not like each other, but they would rather die than aid an officer of the law. Why should they? The cops don't care about them. The cops are racist pricks who have no sense of loyalty. Fuck 'em. Uh, granted, the Jets are also racist pricks, and like the cops, they aim to keep the streets free and clear of undesirable elements. But they do not snitch. You've got to give them that. You do not actually have to give them that. Say, you know what I realized? G-Officer Krupke could have been a number for the fucking Sharks. The Jets get three numbers, and the Sharks get Zippo. Zip, zip. Eat my ass. And yes, I did perform G-Officer Krupke for my high school's so-called comedy review, the one that opened with comedy tonight from A Funny Thing Happened on the way to the forum. Did anyone laugh? No, of course not. In case you forgot, we also recreated SNL sketches along with the Cuban Pete sequence from The Mask. Doesn't it feel nice to know you never saw any of this and never will? I envy you people.
2: A boy like that kill your brother forget that boy and find another one of your own kind stick to your own kind a boy like that bring you sorrow you'll meet another boy tomorrow one of your own kind stick to your own kind a boy who kills cannot love a boy who kills Get your love and get your heart very smart, that we are
4: very
0: smart. Nobody but nobody sings a boy like that, like Cheetah Rivera, and ain't nobody ever gonna neither, that's what I say. It is wild how Maria and Tony have sex maybe, maybe half an hour after Tony murders her brother. Oh oh boy, what an interesting situation. Killer, killer, you are a killer, Tony. Oh, if I wasn't so horny right now, I would kill you. Uh, That dickhead better be fantastic, do you hear me? It needs to be fantastic. All right. That's all I have to say regarding the score of West Side Story. It is now time to hear from our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. All right, is everybody here? We got everybody? Great, okay. So thank you for coming in a little bit early. I know this is earlier than we typically start, but, uh, a situation has been brought to my attention, a, a problem, it's an issue, and I think that we, as a company, need to address this. I wasn't really sure how I wanted to explain this situation, and then I, I guess I hit upon this this idea that, you know, we're supposed to be a, a company. We're, we're in rehearsals for this show, and I think that the show could be something great. I believe Billion Dollar Baby could run for years, but I believe that the only way that's ever gonna happen is if we are a company made up of people who trust each other, made up of people who respect each other, and arguably more importantly respect the leaders of the company it's a team you know i'm one of the leaders and i like to think that uh i I've, I've tried to give you the respect that you deserve and you know the space to really feel this material out and uh it's come to my attention that uh my i had a 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 box. I had a box. I had a box of 5 of 5678 uh, to go pouches in in the in the green room and uh it was it was it was with my stuff. It was with my stuff and it's not with my stuff anymore. I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. And if anybody would like to name names, uh I, I you know, I'm fi- I'm fine. You know, you shouldn't feel bad about naming names. If you know who took the 5678 to go pouches, just tell me because it's really it's 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 really upsetting to me if you can't if, if you can't tell. I'm I'm really bothered by it. I mean, I need I need the I need them. I need the 5678 to go batches to, to focus on the work that needs to be done. The choreography, the directing, I, I need to focus on these things. And without them, of course I could buy more. Of course. Yes, of course I could buy more, but that's not the fucking point. Is it? That's not the fucking point. One of you, motherfuckers, took my five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> Yeah, laugh it up, motherfuckers! you fucking commies! I can buy and sell your asses a hundred times over! Uh, that wasn't a fart, by the way. That wasn't a fart! It wasn't a fart! I kicked one- of, I kicked one of the drums a half second after all of the other instruments went quiet, okay? No, I fuck you! I'm Jerome fucking Robbins! Fuck you! Final thoughts regarding West Side Story. I've said it once, I've said it twice, I've said it thrice! I'll say it again! Give the fucking sharks a fucking number, god damn you, fuck you. Do or do not, there is no try. Now, in 1958, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was The Music Man, and the additional nominees that season were Jamaica, New Girl in Town, and Oh Captain! Did any of these shows deserve to win out over The Music Man? Well, we still have two more to talk about. Hello again, new girl in town George Abbott. Hello. But I'll make the call right here and now the Music Man is keeping its medallion. Sacrilege you say. fooey I say. It's time to rank West Side Story against all of the other shows we've talked about here on the podcast. If you want to check out this ranking of ours, go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod. Click through our pinned post. It'll take you to the link tree. Oh, our fancy link tree. You can access our google spreadsheet via the link tree and on the second tab oh that's where the ranking is west side story is number 53 between sweet smell of success at 52 and the drowsy chaperone at number 54 all right okay it's now time for show related ephemera unfortunately we will not be hearing any of the commercials from the 2000 ad campaign for the gap The name of which was, are you a jean or are you a khaki? Those commercials don't really work as audio because it's really just, you know, if you've ever seen these commercials, they they all feature a bunch of dancers dancing to the score of West Side Story in Clothes from the Gap. And that doesn't really work in audio form because it would be like you're just listening to the score all over again so let's not worry about that and let's not worry about I feel yucky from episode 3522 of Sesame Street which aired on May 14th 1966 this is on YouTube but it's one of those situations where someone is filming a TV with a video camera and the audio is terrible so I'm not gonna put you through that now I can't find a video of this performance in its entirety to save my fucking life. But there is no way we could begin this segment without acknowledging Cher's take on West Side Story. She plays all of the characters. Let's hear a tiny slice of it, at the very least.
1: Anita's gonna get our kicks tonight We'll have our private little mix
2: tonight no, Man out on top tonight. We're gonna watch Barnato drop tonight. That That's way every punk old go down and when he's calling out go with Carol's a chance.
0: Isn't it weird how Shares Tony is better than Shares Maria? Who knew? That performance by the way is from Share Special, which first aired on ABC on April 3rd, 1978. Where can we watch this thing? Share, special. I want to watch it. Share media should not be lost media. Next up, Diana Ross sings Somewhere on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. This episode aired on April 5th, 1968. That's one day after the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. Yes. There's a place for each of us.
2: And we must try to fulfill this place. love is like a passion that burns like a fire. Let our efforts be as determined as that of Dr. Martin Luther King, who had a dream that all God's children, black men, white men, Jew, Gentile, Protestant, Catholic, will join hands And sing that spiritual old hymn, free at last, great God, free at last, yes, there
0: Thank you very much, Miss Diana Ross. Now, there's something fishy about this next clip, a monologue from Tough Turf, the 1985 film starring James Spader, Robert Downey Jr., and Kim Richards. Let's hear this monologue as delivered by Kim Richards.
2: Move back. Move back, I said! I said move back!
5: Okay, you're right. You're right, I... Look, look, look. It's over. It was all for you.
2: He didn't do it for me. It's your whole life. How many bullets are left, huh, Nick? Enough for Morgan, my come father?
0: Come on, Frankie, come on, no. For
2: anyone who isn't part of your How turf? You come on, come on, come on. How many, huh?
0: I guess it's not really a monologue if there aren't more than ten lines of dialogue. Anyway, fishy fishy, it's an homage, is it? Okay. It is now time. Oh, it is now time. We shall now hear selections from The Songs of West Side Story, the 1996 album. We will begin with Something's Coming, as performed by All For One. We will then continue with A Boy Like That, as performed by Selena. Tonight, as performed by Kenny Law. I feel pretty, as performed by Little Richard. G Officer Krupke, as performed by Salt and Peppa, and then we will end out this medley with Somewhere, as performed by Phil Collins. Let's hear it!
2: Could it be yes it could? Something's coming, something good if I can away. With a shot, phone no of jingle, door on that oh, open.
3: We are sick! We are sick! We are sick! We are sick! 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 sick. In other words, this is what happens when cousins marry. We
1: are pendejo-headed, inbred. Okay, we're like Chicano Forest Gump.
0: There is no way Peebo Bryson wasn't furious over this, right? Did they call him? He probably should have been in the mix, right? A number of these tracks could have easily played over the end credits of an animated West Side Story, and... What I wouldn't give for a late 80s West Side Story as directed by Don Bluth and Gary Oldman. No, no, Ga- no, Gary Goldman, not Gary Oldman. But uh, uh, Don Bluth animated West Side Story? Think of the possibilities. Dom Deloise could have played Doc. Christian Slater is Tony. Janet Jackson is Maria. John Larroquette is Officer Krupke. You know the cast would have been fucking nuts. I love how in the middle of Something's Coming all for one, sings with a click, click, with a shock, shock, phonal jingle, hello, door will knock, who is it? (laughs) It goes much faster than that. With a click, click, with a shock, shock, phonal jingle, hello, door will knock, who is it? (laughs) These dudes are dorks. I think shock should have been followed by someone whispering zap, (laughs) With a shock zap. And click should have been a setup for Julie Kavner, obviously. Oh, Adam, don't you dare click that button. Little Richard changes all of the pronouns throughout his rendition of I Feel Pretty, and that is because Little Richard is a fucking coward. But then we choose to retain the line, send for Chino. Who does Little Richard think Chino is in this context? Shut up, Jonathan! All right, fine, fine, Richard, fine. That's Paul Rodriguez on the Salt and Pepper track, by the way. Did you come up with the Chicano Forest Gumps line all by yourself, Paul? I have a feeling you did. And then I have to say, Phil Collins' take on Somewhere honestly moves me. I've been listening to this for months and months, and I am such a sucker for earnest, heartfelt pop music, and I will never apologize for that. In the mood? Are you in the mood for yet another cover of Somewhere? This one was released by Pet Shop Boys as a single in 1997. Oh, I love Pet Shop Boys. This is going to knock your tits off. Let's hear it. They got knocked off. I told you, I warned you. Now, I want to talk about a series of articles. I re—I I sort of dove back into this story, which had its moment, and then the cycle sort of kept moving, and nobody talks about this anymore. But I want to talk about this article. I, I have three, but we'll start here. The name, the headline of the article is... West Side Stories sequel in the works as ethnic groups reclaim their stories. This was written by Mark Hirschberg for Forbes, and it was published on December 19th, 2021. This article reports on a new musical in development at New Haven's Long Wharf Theater. The writers Stephen and Mildred Ruiz Sapp are a married couple who, during a November 2021 live stream for Long Wharf, express an interest in exploring Hurricane Maria and its effect on the island of Puerto Rico. But that's only part of the pitch because they also claim to be inspired by West Side Story. Per Stephen Sapp, quote, what happened to that young woman, Maria, after she walks out of the park after Tony has been murdered? What life does she lead now that she knows hate and murder? And where does her story continue to go on and be an older woman in Puerto Rico during Hurricane Maria? Stephen makes it clear during the 2021 live stream that this was only one of several ideas that were meant to keep the ball rolling, but that's not in keeping with a February 2020 press release issued by Long Wharf Theater, which describes the show thusly, quote, a response to cultural appropriation in West Side Story, the new musical focuses on what happens to Maria after the original musical concludes, quote, and then in that same press release, Steven Sapp is quoted as saying, quote, our jump off point begins where the imagined Puerto Rican lives and inspired West Side Story left off. I know that sentence makes no fucking sense, but... That's, uh, trust me, that's what it is. I double-checked. Interweaving true Puerto Rican narratives, we discover the journey of a starry-eyed Puerto Rican girl through her life's journey, witnessing what she has experienced and the world she has inspired along the way. Quote, now in another Forbes article written by Mark Hirschberg and published on December 22nd, 2021, the headline for that is, following report, theater changes tune on West Side Story sequel. By this point, Longworth had released a statement regarding this musical, Maria, which read, in part, quote, It is important to distinguish that this is not a sequel to West Side Story or a derivative work, but has its own genesis rooted in Mildred Ruiz Sapp's own family experience and deep connection to Puerto Rico, quote, And then I found an American theater article written by José Solís, and published on March seventh, twenty twenty-two. The headline for this is "How Universes Solves a Problem Like Maria." Universes, by the way, is a reference to a program within Long Wharf Theater's season. Okay, so to quote this article: "Quote the piece Stephen and Mildred are working on, titled Maria." is a commission from Long Wharf Theater, and indeed, an initial press release described the piece, thus, in response to cultural appropriation in West Side Story, the new musical focuses on what happens to Maria after the original musical concludes. As Stephen and Mildred explained to me, though, they conceive of Maria as a way to explore the aftermath of Hurricane Maria in Puerto Rico, as seen through the eyes of a woman who has experienced a trauma similar to that of the musical's heroine, a young woman who learns that she entered a world where she was unwanted, where she would lose everything she loved. Quote, so that, that's me quoting from the American Theatre article. And as Oprah might say, so what is the truth? Isn't this the strangest collection of articles? Did Long Wharf Theatre go too far with their initial press release? If they were going too far, why did uh, why did Steven sap, is that right? Yes, Stephen, why did you go along with it if that wasn't the core idea? Were the Saps ever truly interested in writing a sequel to West Side Story? And was it wrong for the media to take Long Wharf Theater and the Saps at their word? This is such a weird story. But we won't solve this history mystery today. We have to keep moving forward. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named, after that classic Rodgers and Hammerstein show, The Dame's Lame Claim to Fame. The Dame's Lame Claim to Fame. Everyone ready? Then away we go! (laughs) Next subject of our main feed coverage is the 1999 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical. It ran for 1093 performances and the name of that show is Fosse. It's Fosse, baby. Fussy will drop February 7th. So be on the lookout. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Planned Parenthood Action Fund. You can donate one, three, five, or $10 a month. Here's what you get if you are a $1 a month patron you get Monday early access to all of our main feed episodes. You get a verbal shout out each and every week. Thank you so much for donating at least $1 a month. Caroline Helena, Greg, Andy, Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marcus, Rob, Shauna, Shianti, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. You also get 20 bonus episodes regarding the 73rd annual Tony Awards, the trailer for the film Cats, The Little Mermaid Live, a full review of the film Cats. Emma at Chicago Shakespeare Theater. Take Me to the World. A Sondheim 90th Birthday Celebration. Hamilton via Disney Plus. Documentary Now. Original Cast Album. Co-op. John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, Arlo the Alligator Boy, hey, the trailer for Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, Vivo, the Tony Awards present Broadway's back, Diana, Annie Live, The Notebook at Chicago Shakespeare Theater, Beauty and the Beast, a 30th celebration, and the 1999 animated film The King and I. You also get season one, that's 12 episodes of Radio Boy, A series for which I chuck in with myself via the non musical theater songs that make me feel more like myself. And finally, all 16 episodes in M3, The Movie Musical Man, a series dedicated to movie musicals. Oh, every episode uh, features a trilogy of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. It's a great show. If you donate $3 a month via Patreon, you get everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing, all 10 episodes in Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast, a special all about Julie and the Phantoms, and all 14 episodes in our TV VIP series, which is dedicated to musical TV shows. $5 a month will get you everything I've already described, plus you will get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss on the podcast. If you're sick of waiting around for your favorite musical to get talked about, you can tell me to talk about it, so long as it was nominated for Best Musical. You get Seasons 1 and 2, that's 24 episodes of All I Ask of You, an advice show hosted by The Phantom of the Opera, all 14 episodes in our Broadway and Chicago Review series, and... Volumes 1 through 6 of Shout About It. These are collections of 5678 coffee ads and musical shoutouts from the first 150 episodes of the podcast. Finally, if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus exclusive announcements regarding future subjects of the main feed, all 12 episodes in Season 1 of The Snub Club, a series dedicated to Broadway musicals that were not nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. They were snubbed. And finally, you get all 12 episodes in our Turn It Off series, which is dedicated to off-Broadway musicals. If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, please, I say to you again, write a five-star review. If you're streaming the show, that might be through Spotify, yes, Audible, maybe uh, Pandora or Podbean, .podbean musicalmanpod.podbean.com Email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. I love emails. Thanks as always to Patty and Benny in the booth all the way out there in Chicago. Thank you to Alex Green for our beautiful logo, and thank you to Zach Little for our fabulous, in Intro and outro music. Oh you know what that sound means? Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, off Wiedersehen, and good night.